Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad. I'm a beggar. And I host this program. I found bread. The bread of life. The Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth. Jesus the Christ. My goal is to present this bread to hungry souls that they would be prepared for the coming kingdom. This episode, people get ready. Credit the impressions for the title to this episode. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the impressions, began their career in the early 1960s as a doo-wop soul gospel group with an actively changing lineup. The song People Get Ready is number 122 on Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 rock and roll songs of all time. That's right. Get to know the impressions, folks. The song has been covered by many artists throughout the years, most notably Rod Stewart, Sir Rod Stewart, I think, and Jeff Beck on guitar in that cover. It's actually... Very popular version of the song, and they did a great job with it. The Impressions officially retired in 2018 from a career that spanned 60 years. Yeah, that's a good run, folks. I don't care who you are. 60 years, that's a solid musical career run. The Impressions made quite an impression on Bob Marley, who sampled portions of People Get Ready into his iconic One Love, which eventually was retitled One Love, People Get Ready, with songwriting credit given to Curtis Mayfield from the Impressions. In Jamaica, they didn't have such copyright laws at the time, but eventually things you know, kind of caught up to them, but they did work out. They worked themselves out just like Milton's paycheck in office space. Alas, this podcast is not about the music or Milton or the Marleys, not Bob or Ziggy or Robert or Jacob. None of those Marleys. It's all about the message. People get ready. I want to thank those of you who stayed with me all the way through our recent study of what it means to follow the Master Yeshua, the Messiah. And that's a topic I'm certain, well, Lord willing, we will return to at some time. And ultimately, in one way or another, I hope that every episode of this podcast does reflect on how we are supposed to follow Yeshua according to Scripture. We just spent several episodes more intentionally seeking application from the early church and the words of the Master as to how that can or should look in our present-day lives, following Yeshua. For myself, the personal study did me some good in rededicating, if you will, the temple and allowing Hashem to do some refining work in me and identifying some worldly distractions to my faith. Today, we will begin what I believe will be an overview and study of First Thessalonians, which, Lord willing, may also flow right into Second Thessalonians. These are two relatively short epistles, and so I believe we may 
just do one right after the other. We're going to begin with some context for this, again, relatively short but challenging epistle. First of all, who wrote 1 Thessalonians? Well, 1 Thessalonians was written by the Apostle Paul, or Shaul, if you prefer, with co-writing credit, see, no copyright issues here, co-writing credit to Silas, uh, some versions or translations uh, state his name as Silvanus. So it's Paul, or Shaul, Silas, and Timothy. These are the co-writers of this epistle. And, of course, Silas or Silvanus and Timothy are two disciples of the Apostle Paul's. It was written while Paul was in the city of Corinth after completing his second missionary journey. To whom was it written? It was written to believers who live in the city of Thessalonica. That's right. A Greek city which was home to many displaced Jews and Present-day Thessalonica, now called simply Slonica, is the second most populous city in Macedonia, northern Greece. Yeah, it's a little trivia for you. The audience of these writers and the readers of this letter were a mixture of Jewish and God-fearing Gentile believers in the Messiah Yeshua. When was this letter written? Between the years 49 and 51 A.D., most believe. They've narrowed it down to that couple-year window. And then Second Thessalonians was written shortly thereafter, probably in the year 51 or 52 A.D. Why was this letter written? Well, there's some strong encouragement to the believers, commending them for their faith after after uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy went through and visited visited these folks. So there's some encouragement there for sure. Um, and they see, as they have seen, evidence of the faith of these believers through their works. There also are some warnings a little later in this letter and some cautions to these believers, which we will get to at some point in this study, Lord willing. So before we read the opening chapter, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 17, which confirms Paul's visit to the believers in Thessalonica, but it also reinforces some of what I have just shared in bringing some context and history to this letter. After passing through Amphipolis and Apollonia, Shaul and Silas came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue. According to his usual practice, Shaul went in, and on three Shabbats he gave them droshes from the Tanakh, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and that this Yeshua whom I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of the Jews were persuaded and threw in their lot with Shaul and Silas, as did a great many of the Greek men 
who were God-fearers, and not a few of the leading women. That's Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 4, and that is Luke's recording of Paul's journey, or Luke's record of Paul's journey to Thessalonica and what he did there. And so this reinforces who was there, to whom he was ministering, and why are these things important? Well, they're very important because without context, all we have is pretext for subtext. So we need to know the application of these letters, as has been stated many times. The scriptures were not written to us, but they certainly are written for us. And so we can learn from them, but having context is really important. And we should know that, well, certainly for the Apostle Paul, Shaul, he was persecuted from both sides. He was persecuted by Jews because of what he declared his gospel, which is, we, we see him use that phrase frequently, my gospel, I presented my gospel and James and Peter approved of my gospel, things like that. His gospel is that people, Gentiles, did not need to take on Jewish identity to follow the promised Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, and to live according to the ways of Hashem. And so he was persecuted by Jews on one side for that because they they were claiming falsely that he was turning people away from being Jewish, from following the Torah, from observing the appointed times, the Moedim of Hashem. And Paul did none of that. His things were taken, his words were taken out of context, like they are so readily in modern times. And then from the other side, from the Gentiles, Paul received persecution as well. Because he was taking people out of these pagan, idolatrous ways. And so monies given uh, on behalf of these gods and idols would diminish. People were turning their backs on these false gods and false worship practices, idolatrous, pagan ways. So he would get persecuted from the other side as well. Paul had it coming and going, and he maintained his faith. Good on him. Now, let's take a look at this letter to these believers. And we'll start at chapter 1 of verse 1. Sounds like a great place to begin any study. I do encourage you, please, read through this brief letter in its entirety for the full flow and context of it. And it is short. You should, I believe most people would be able to sit down and read this in one sitting, this letter. And as always, please study to show yourself approved of God. From Shaul, Sila, and Timothy, to the Messianic community of the Thessalonians, united with God the Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, Grace to you and shalom. We always thank God for all of you, regularly mentioning you in our prayers, calling to mind before God our Father what our Lord Yeshua the Messiah has brought about in you, how you trust, 
how your trust produces action, your love, hard work, and your hope, perseverance. We know, brothers, that God has loved and chosen you, that the good news we brought did not become for you a matter only of words, but also one of power, the Ruach HaKodesh, and total conviction. Just as you know now, know how we lived for your sakes, just as you know how we lived for your sakes when we were with you, you indeed became imitators of us and of the Lord, so that even though you were going through severe troubles, you received the word with joy from the Ruach HaKodesh. Thus, you became a pattern for all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the Lord's message sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere your trust toward God became known. The result is that we don't need to say anything, since they themselves keep telling us about the welcome we received from you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the true God, the one who is alive, and to wait for his son Yeshua, whom he raised from the dead to appear from heaven and rescue us from the impending fury of God's judgment. So this is chapter 1, it's 10 verses, first chapter of First Thessalonians. And the writing begins with a simple introduction of the writers, addressing and identifying the recipients. Very simple. They continue. We always thank God for all of you, regularly mentioning you in our prayers. This is something that church leaders and whatever title uh, they, they have, reverend, pastor, preacher, whatever they're given, this is, it really is something that I believe is missed frequently by church leadership is praying for the flock. We always thank God for all of you, regularly mentioning you in our prayers. And I'm not saying that painting every church with that brush, but there seems to be a gap there in leadership taking what you may call that priestly role on behalf of those who are under their care, who are in their flock, making mention of them in our prayers. Calling to mind before God our Father what our Lord Yeshua the Messiah has brought about in you, remembering the work that God is doing in the lives of people through the Messiah Yeshua. How your trust produces action, your love, hard work, and your hope, perseverance. The evidence of faith, love, and hope that is displayed by these believers is affirmed by the writers. In this acknowledgement, we see what many would agree is a Jewish understanding of faith, love, and hope, and that is actions, works, deeds, reflecting the trust and faith of believers. 
the people are not commended for their statement of faith, their declaration of love, or a, a, some verbalized creed that has been made, or some internal belief or words of hope, but rather they are commended for the fruit, the actions, hard work, and perseverance of people living their faith in Hashem through Yeshua. It's interesting that Paul notes the faith, love, and hope of these believers. And he does it in a different order than he does in 1 Corinthians 13, which is commonly called the love chapter, where we read, Now abide these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these in love. In this letter, he puts them in this order, faith, love, and hope. And again, the focus being on the evidence, it's the actions, the, the deeds, and the works of faith, love, and hope that these people are doing. The letter goes on. We know, brothers, that God has loved and chosen you. That's strong. <laughs> There's, that's, a, that's a strong endorsement right there when you've got the apostle and his disciples knowing that God has loved and chosen you. That the good news we brought did not become for you a matter only of words, not just a declaration of faith, but also one of power, the Ruach HaKodesh, and total conviction. Just as you know how we lived for your sakes when we were with you, you indeed became imitators of us and of the Lord, so that even though you were going through severe troubles, you received the word with joy from the Ruach HaKodesh. The apostles and his disciples recognized what these believers received, that they received the gospel with conviction. When one comes to faith, he or she becomes aware of their depravity in the light of the Holy One, blessed be He. There is repentance. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. It is so close that the Messiah has been identified as Yeshua of Nazareth, the Zadik, the Righteous One. They didn't just receive this as mere words. Repeat this prayer after me. No, that's not what this was. It became a matter of power. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power, as the Master stated. When someone is convicted of something, as is stated in this letter, that they received the message with conviction, total conviction. When someone is convicted of something, it prompts action. With conviction, the case is closed. Evidence gives you a strong case. Conviction, case closed, my friends. These new followers of Yeshua revealed their conviction by changing how they lived. They began imitating the words and actions of Shaul, Silas, and Timothy, which is a reflection of following, imitating the Master, Yeshua, walking as he walked. Even though they were going through severe 
troubles. There are times when new believers experience troubles or trials, and they vacate their faith, particularly if they've been sold a bill of goods that, well, life gets easy once you ask Jesus into your heart, or you know, or became a Christian, or whatever the verbiage is that's that's used at many altar calls. And I'm not totally trying to badmouth all altar calls at this, but when we oversimplify and when we water down the message, it it, it leads to people very briefly remaining in the faith once troubles come, once trials and tribulations arise, and they will. We know this from Scripture. There will be struggles. The truth is that when we come to faith in El Elyon, God Most High, through the Messiah Yeshua, we become equipped and armed to better battle through the troubles and trials. This is what was being seen in these Yeshua followers in Thessalonica. They were bearing up under these things, maintaining their faith throughout not wavering. Hallelujah. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy, just reflecting on what they've seen in these people and the words that they're hearing from those around them in Macedonia and the surrounding areas, the words that they are hearing from others about their faith, how they reflect and they see the imitation of Paul and the others, and most importantly, that they see the reflection of these people. They're imitating the ways of the Master, Yeshua the Messiah. And I, I'm going to share a, a brief testimony here because this was uh, honestly one of the most humbling moments that I've had in recent times and in in my work with men and women who struggle with addiction. Not long ago, I had uh, a client, we were having a, a brief discussion after, after a group, and she said the words, you remind me of Jesus. And I didn't even know how to respond to that. It was, it was so humbling and flattering and also so scary to me, to be honest. Um, but I, I am, man, I, I, I can't brag on me at all about any of that because that is God. That is the work of the Ruach HaKodesh, the breath, the wind of God. That is his word being a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And it's so incredibly humbling to hear those words. And um. um going to get emotional so I'm going to continue on here but that that just yeah that resonates resonated in me and it also to me it felt challenging to me that I that I need to like stay focused stay on task and really humble myself even further to follow the master even closer so quick testimony there of just of the work uh, the work of God that's all I can say and give him praise and thanks for that and may we all hear words like that not only from those around us but may we hear the words we all long to hear well done good and faithful servant
The writers continue, Thus you became a pattern for all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So they were an example to others as to how they should live as proclaimed followers of Yeshua HaMashiach. They were showing others how to live. For the Lord's message sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere your trust toward God became known. Everywhere they went and their their faith became known. It was known of them that they were living a life and reflecting to others and, and being an example to others how to live. Everywhere they went, the witness and testimony of Yeshua was with them. People knew that they belonged to the Master. How are we doing with that? I think in many cases we want people to see us as cool and relatable. And then when we've been accepted among them, accepted in their fold, so to speak, well, then we can drop the truth bomb. Hey, see, I'm a cool dude. And guess what? I follow Jesus. Yeah, that's right. I know, right? (laughs) Bet you didn't think someone as down as me could be a Christian, huh? Yeah, but I am. It's how I roll. We have nothing to hide. In fact, the light which has been illuminated in us by Hashem cannot be hidden, as the Master stated. You don't light a lamp to hide it under a bushel. Let your light so shine and your good works show that the people around will glorify the Father because of them. Light shine. Good works show. What are those works? They're the works that reflect faith, love, and hope. And they are found in the scriptures, in the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, as well as in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament writings. Moving on. Into a little further into this letter, as the praise continues, the praise of these believers, the result is that we don't need to say anything. This is what the writers are saying. Paul and Silas and Timothy, we don't need to say anything since they themselves, the people in the communities around them, keep telling us about the welcome we received from you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the true God, the one who is alive. So this is a reference to the now God-fearing Gentiles who came out of pagan idolatrous worship practices. As noted in the book of Acts, Paul's practice was going to the synagogues to teach, where most commonly Jewish people meet. There were Gentile God-fearers in the audience, Gentile God-fearers who came out of idolatry, who would also gather to worship the one true God, the God of Israel. And so these were the people, as we read in Acts chapter from Acts chapter 17, these were the people to whom Paul, Silas, and Timothy were preaching on this journey. So we're going to pick back up. They turned from idols to worship the true God, 
the one who is alive, and to wait for his son Yeshua, whom he raised from the dead, to appear from heaven and rescue us from the impending fury of God's judgment. And so he's recapping here what we know again from that passage in Acts chapter 17, what he was doing. He was preaching the gospel, and there were Jews who threw their lot in, accepting and acknowledging Yeshua as the promised Messiah, as well as the God-fearers who came to faith in Yeshua, came to see him as the promised Messiah who had to suffer and die and was raised from the dead to new life, that those who follow him would experience new life in him. The Jewish believers who threw in their lot with Shaul, Paul, and Silas found the crowning jewel of their faith, the one they've been waiting for, the promised Messiah of Scripture. The Gentile God-fearers, men and prominent women, came to a full understanding of the Scriptures and received the revelation of Yeshua as the Son of the living God, the Messiah, through whom is provided atonement and redemption salvation, rescue from the judgment of Hashem. So this is the opening chapter of this letter. And may the statements made about these believers be true of us as well. Please, may it be so that our faith, love, and hope be evident in how we live our lives, that others plainly see we belong to Yeshua, May that be the first thing they see and hear in our lives, regardless of anything else. Not evidence of our political standing, or the causes we support, or our opinions on any such matters, but physical, visual, and verbal confirmation that we follow the Great Shepherd, that we seek justice, love, mercy, and walk faithfully and humbly with Hashem, blameless before him, as we follow the Master Yeshua of Nazareth. Doing so in preparation for Yeshua to appear again, when he will gather those who are his for a portion in the coming kingdom. People, get ready. Read the lyrics to that song. (laughs) I challenge you. Take a look at the lyrics to that song. People get ready. Our lives are but a vapor. No one, not one of us, are promised tomorrow. And yes, the Redeemer will return. Study to show yourselves approved of God. Read your Bibles. Dig into His Word. Be led by His breath, His wind, the Holy Spirit. There is a lost and dying world that needs to know the way to the Father. They need the bread of life, Yeshua HaMashiach. Let's live in a way that makes it evident whose we are, to whom we belong. Let's go out and give them heaven, living the kingdom. Until next time, may the favor that the righteous one 
the Zadik, the Master Yeshua of Nazareth, found in the eyes of Hashem. May that favor be upon you and all your household. His grace, His mercy, His love, His compassion, His provision, protection, blessings, and healing, and His salvation, a portion in the coming kingdom through the Messiah Yeshua. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, reign in your hearts and minds in the Messiah Yeshua. Grace and peace. Chain Shalom.